Amen. Well, we're in a series called Travel Light. And this entire series is really predicated on this idea that, that as we go through life, there are these things that seem to get attached to us. You know what I mean? And sometimes these things that get attached to us aren't always things that we want. You know what I mean? You get it? It's like you, you, you might get some things attached to you that, that pull you down, that don't lead you to God's best in your life. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about a variety of those things in terms of how sometimes stuff can hold us down. Sometimes the, our desire to acquire more things can, can hold us down. And, and, and so we've been kind of just wandering through this idea that, that there are some things that can get attached to us that God wants us to shed so that we can embrace his best for us. And this morning I want to talk about how important it is, is that we let go of something that we all are very familiar with. And that is that we need to let go of bitterness. Now you're like, well, I'm not bitter. Well, we'll see. All right, we'll see. We'll see as we go. Because I, I found that sometimes bitterness can get a hold of us. And, uh, and so I want to read something to you this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14. Listen to this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So the Bible says, you know, make every effort because of what Jesus has done for you. The Bible instructs us to put our effort into living at peace with everyone and to be holy. And then in verse 15, the writer goes on to say, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root. Say bitter, bitter. root. All right. So the Bible is very clear that it says don't... Let no bitter root grow up to cause trouble and defile many. The one thing I know is that our spiritual enemy is committed to getting hold of our heart, to planting bitterness deep into our heart, to infecting us with poison in our heart so that our relationships suffer. And I don't know about you, but I've had that visit my house before. I've had bitterness show up on my door before. I've had things happen to me that, that have caused me to want to be offended. Yeah? It seems to be a, a regular occurrence in our world today that we're offended by so many things. And what happens as a result of offense is it leads to this bitterness starting to grow. And the thing we have to understand is that our spiritual enemy is absolutely committed to stealing, killing, and destroying. And sometimes we think that's things, but that's actually you too. And the way that he does that is he starts to infect our hearts as we allow things in this world to take hold of us as these seeds of offense get planted in our hearts and what happens is there's this there's this bitter root that starts to grow up inside us and we all know what it feels like we've seen it and 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 perhaps it's just little things you know it starts with the little things you you put something out there on social media you know because we talked last week about how the average person spends at least two hours a day doing this social media thing you know that's a long time and so what happens is you put something out on social media and and you think it's like the greatest thing you've ever said in humankind 
and, 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 and then you don't get the likes you want from your friends. And, and, and there's a part of you that really secretly gets upset about that. You get offended by the fact that these people didn't fully grasp the genius of what you were saying. And it takes hold of you and you get upset and hurt and angry and, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's just, you know, you, 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 there's that person that comes to Christmas that doesn't bring the food they're supposed to bring, you know, but they bring like a, a doggy bag with them and they take all the food with them. Maybe you have family members like, so there's this little seed that gets planted, you know, and you get a little bitter at these people and, you know, maybe someone lies to you or maybe someone has betrayed you or maybe there's someone that's talked bad about you or, or perhaps there's that family member that's just constantly critiquing, constantly critical. And there's this part of you is just really trying, you're really trying you really don't want to be offended, but, but there's this bitterness that just gets kind of lodged in your heart, and that seed of offense begins to grow. And so here's a key point I want you to have for today, and that is that you can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. You can't control, you know that. Like you, We all have tried. We try to control people. But we have figured out, if you've lived very long, you've figured out it really doesn't work all that well. Even if you can get them to do what you want, they're really not bought in. And so what happens is, is, is we try to control people and, and, and we try to control what they think and what they say and what they do, but we can't. The only thing we really can control is how we respond to what's happening how we respond to what that person is saying or what that person is doing. And that's really all we can do. And so sometimes we forget that reality. I don't know if you're excited about Christmas or if you're not. There tends to be two types of people around Christmas time. Some of you are stoked about Christmas. You love it. You love the people you're around. You love everything that you're doing. It's just, it, it is your jam. But some of us are on the other side of it. Some people are on the other side of it where it's just not as fun as everybody else makes it. Because maybe you have to interact with that person. Maybe you have to interact with the people that have, have maybe said something or done something that over this last year, you've allowed that seed to start to grow in your heart and you actually are dreading seeing them at the holidays. There's this offense that now has grown into uh, a level of bitterness and their very presence makes you not want to show up, makes you almost want to throw up. And so what do we do? What do we do? What does God want us to do with that? Well, it's important we have to see so much that, that this problem of bitterness exists in our life. We just have to be honest. We have to look at it and say it's there. It's real. It's something that, that, that I have to deal with. And, and you might be asking, so what is the big deal? Why is it such a big deal that I can't hold on to this? Well, you know intuitively why it's a big deal. Because you're feeling the emotions and the effects of it. And God is trying to get us to see how important it is that we get this stuff out of our life because it will absolutely steal everything that God wants us to have. And so one thing you've got to understand is that bitterness has a dangerous root. It's not just like kind of, oh, it's, you know, that root's just not so good. No, no, no. It's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. 
Listen to what Hebrews says, Hebrews 12, verse 15. I'll I'll remind you. It says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. It doesn't say root, bitter root that grows up to, to make pretty smelling flowers. It says, cause trouble. This root is an important idea that we see. Like, I don't know if you know much about trees, which I really don't because I'm not a botanist or whatever, but, you know, I do my best as a preacher. And uh, the thing I've learned about roots, and, and every tree is different, but if you take like an oak tree, for example, oak tree roots, they're really interesting because they, don't, they only go about 18 inches deep but they spread out like four to seven times uh, past the, the, whatever you call the big bushy thing at the top. (laughs) Guys, I told you I'm technical. Just stick with me. (laughs) But they spread out, you know, far and wide, these root systems. And if you've ever seen them where the dirt gets knocked off of them, they're really big and thick. And you can kind of just, I mean, it's just massive. And that's the thing I want you to see. What the Bible is saying is that there are these root systems that might just be right under the surface, but they're thick and they're big and they reach far and wide. And that these bitter roots begin to impact everything that's happening above the surface. And so the infection that's below is starting to impact what's above the surface. And so it's not just the trunk, but it's also the vines and the leaves and all the, all the things that are happening up here in the bushy top. Perhaps the leaves start to fall off and it gets sick and the tree just doesn't quite make it. You get what I'm saying? You see how it relates to each other. And it's just right under the surface. That's pretty significant. And so what you cannot see is slowly growing deeper and deeper into your soul. And we have to understand that that this isn't just something we play around with. This is something that can really negatively impact our lives. And perhaps you've interacted or maybe you're here, someone who has been gripped with bitterness and everything that's good in their life has been stolen from them. They're angry. They don't experience joy anymore. They simply have been so disappointed by life that it's just pain all the time. And my hope for you today is that if you're there, Jesus has a way out. If you're not there, I'm just saying to you as your pastor, stop. (laughs) Stop moving forward and turn around and begin to seek Jesus and watch him begin to bring healing in your life. Because he wants to. Because bitterness can absolutely take over our lives. 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 13 that, that love keeps no record of wrong. Here, let me say that again. The Bible says that love keeps no record of wrong. And if that's true, and you have a record of wrong, do you see the problem? It's important you understand this. It's important that you grasp the fact that the Bible is trying to get us to see that the records we keep are actually the problem. Some of you have copious notes on somebody else's life. Copious notes on something someone else has done. 
And that something has gotten lodged in your heart and now you are experiencing not just the offense, but the bitter root that is growing under the surface and starting to steal everything that God wants you to have. And so the longer you allow it to live, the deeper it grows and the harder it is to kill. Do you get that? The longer you let it live, the harder it is to deal with it, the deeper it grows and the harder it is to kill. That's why sometimes you meet people that are older and they're really bitter because everything over time has been compounded. And you know what? God loves us enough to say, hey, 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 don't let this ruin you. Don't base your life on what someone else said or what someone else did. Can you imagine getting to a place in your life where everything that you're about is, is really happening because of something else outside of you? You're no longer determining your own fate. You're no longer deciding your own emotions. You are reacting to the problem. You're no longer doing what God wants you to do. And so what happens is bitterness is that dangerous root that we've got to see. Bitterness produces a poisonous fruit, doesn't it? It produces a poisonous fruit. Listen, Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and what? Defile many. What I've found is that sometimes we think the bitterness in our heart only affects us. Come on. And so we, we have this bitterness and we hold on to it. And, and, and then there's this part of us that, that think it's okay, it's okay, it's not okay. Because what happens is the Bible says that it begins to defile many. The way that you react or the way that you say things or you're at that holiday party and someone says it and you may not go after them right there, but you might go over here and say, can you believe that Johnny said that to me? I call it leaking. You just start to leak on people. You just start to leak. And, and, and you know, you're in this group and you leak a little here and you're in this group and you're leak. And some of you are like, that's gross. I know. I know. It's like cats, which I don't like cats. They spray stuff. That's what some of you are like. You're bitter. And you get in groups and you just spray things, marking your territory with negativity and, and pain. Come on. I know, I know it's gross. It is gross. It hurts people. It's hurting you. It's hurting, it's hurting the house that you live in. It's hurting the church that you're a part of. When you leak on other people because of your own pain, it's not okay because it begins to defile not just you, it defiles many. And sometimes we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen how this kind of thing can happen, how it, how it infects little small groups in the church. Come on. How it affects our families how it affects our little work groups at, 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 at our work. It just kind of happens. A little here, a little there. And the next thing you know, everything's being infected and many are being defiled by the bitterness. And, and, and you know what I've found is that a lot of times we can't see bitterness in ourselves. We see it in everybody else, you know, but we can't see it in ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we don't see it because what I've found is that we actually make these comparisons that kind of let us off the hook. That mine is not as bad as this person's. You know what I'm saying? And theirs is really bad, but mine is not as bad. And we'll talk about that in a second, but it's so important that we see that when we justify the problem, it doesn't let us off the hook. 
The pain is there. It's hurting people. And when we see this kind of thing happen in our workplace, and let, or even in the church, guys, you've, some of you have been in the church for a long time, and you've seen how this kind of stuff can hurt people. We'll spend time hating our brother and sister with our words and praising Jesus in worship. And the Bible says that's not okay. How do you keep unity in a church when that's happening? How do you keep the mission of God moving forward when brothers and sisters are tearing each other down with their words? Because we've allowed offense to grab hold of us. And that bitterness begins to grow. And it begins to affect everything around us. And let me just say this to you. That is not okay in God's economy. It's not okay. Some of you are like, can we go home now? I believe God will reveal the bitterness or the offense that you feel in your heart. He'll reveal it. And you might have to just say, God, will you show me? Will you show me where it is? I want to give it to you. I don't want to hold on to this. I don't want it to destroy me. I don't want it to destroy the church I love so much. I, I, I just want you, to, I want you to show it to me because there is a way to get rid of it. And so how do we do that? How do we get rid of it? I want to read something to you in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So what does the Bible say? Keep it? No, it says get rid of it. All right, so how do we do that? Verse 32, be kind and compassionate. Like for real? Yeah, that, that's all I got. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Here, let me read that again. Be kind and say compassionate, compassionate, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. See, we have to kill bitterness with compassion. Now, I know that right now there's a tension in the room. Some of us are trying to decide, okay, is it them or is it me? You're, you're, there's a tension right now for some of us, and that's okay. I actually think tension can be a good thing. Because it's actually, when tension is happening, it means that we're aware. And we're actually listening to maybe what God is saying. And so that's not always a bad thing. And so the tension you're having, I don't want to quite yet resolve for you, but I think it's important you listen. Because the Bible says that I need to be kind and compassionate to one another. And when the Bible says one another, it's talking about everybody around you. It's talking about the people in your church, the people at work, the people over here, the people in your family even. So be kind and compassionate. Listen to this in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. With good. Not bad. With good. See, the thing that I've figured out is that we've all done stuff. We've all done things that weren't right. True? We've all said things we shouldn't have. Lord, help us. I've said things in places, and I say, like, how did that slip out of my mouth? I can't believe I said that. And sometimes, like, even earlier in my life, I could give you things that I've said that I just don't even know how they came out of my mouth. 
Can you relate? The good news is, is that God's helped me. I'm better now than I used to be. But the thing is, is I have absolutely said things with my mouth and words have come out of my mouth that have hurt people. And when I allow that to happen, hurt not only can happen in me, it can happen in other people. And that hurt or that offense turns to something that we all don't want. And that's hate. That we start to hate in our hearts. And it could be as simple as, you know, like this. In my house, when people don't shut the kitchen cabinets. I get offended by that. I walk in my kitchen and I'm like, why do we need to open every cabinet in the kitchen? Like literally, you walk in and all the cabinets are open and you're like, what were you looking for? But sometimes it's more serious than that, isn't it? Sometimes it's more serious than that. Things that happen, the bitterness that gets a hold of us, and, and, and even that what has been done to you. Perhaps someone cheated on you. Perhaps someone lied to you. Perhaps someone stole from you. Perhaps someone abused you. The thing that happens is we've got to see that pain. We don't have to deny it. It's real. But the Bible calls us to be kind and compassionate towards that stuff. That is the hard part. Like, that's the part where you need Jesus. Like, you got to get that. Like, if you didn't need Jesus, right, you can just do it on your own. The Bible says you can't do it on your own. I don't want to be kind and compassionate to these people. What I want to do is hit them. Right? Some, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And the only thing that keeps me from kung fu kicking someone sometimes, is Jesus. Jesus, because he loved me. He was kind and compassionate to me when he should have kung fu kicked me. That's it. And I need him. I can't do it without him. That's why we talk so much about you getting him in your life. Because listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That is not what the first reaction I have when someone curses me or when someone mistreats me. What I want to do is respond in my flesh. And the Bible says that I have to look at compassionate and kindness. And so the greatest form of compassion for us is being able to pray for those that harm you. Being able to pray for those that speak ill of you. In our desire to fight, we simply relax and we say, God, I need you to fight this battle because I'm not going to do it. I trust you. And see, prayer may not change them, but it absolutely is going to change you. And when you begin to pray for those that persecute you, what happens is that God begins to work on you. And the power that they had over you no longer has power over you because now you're responding the way that Jesus wants you to. You see it? It's so good you guys get this. The number, number two is that we have to kill bitterness with forgiveness. So we start with compassion because we've got to see that, one, people screw up. I've screwed up before, and I need to absolutely have kindness and compassion on people, even if they don't deserve it. Come on. <laughs> Come on. 
even if they don't deserve it. And then finally, I have got to kill bitterness with forgiveness. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians. He says, you forgive just like God forgave you, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why do we forgive? Just as Christ forgave you. So when you're, you're in this spot where someone says, hey, you got to forgive this person, man. You really got to forgive this person. Your response is, no, I, I don't want to do that. But then you have to see that last part. Just as Christ forgave you. When you were, the Bible says, while you were yet sinner, Christ died for you. So while you were still in your sin, Christ moves towards you with kindness and compassion and forgiveness. And that is what he requires of us as we model this to the world. God asks the same thing of us. And so God forgave you. When? Immediately. Immediately. God, will you forgive me? God says, yes. See? It it was immediate. I love that. And so sometimes the reason the cycle stays in our hearts, it's because we compare sins. The very definition of sin comes from an archery term, which basically means to miss the mark. So like if you're you know, shooting an arrow at a target, you're missing the mark. And if, if, you, if you don't hit the bullseye of the target, let's say you just miss it by a millimeter, right? That, the Bible would say that's sin. Does that make sense? So it's just a millimeter. It's off the mark. Make sense? But what if you missed it by a mile? It's still the same because you missed the mark. Whether you miss a millimeter or a mile, you're still missing the mark. And what happens is we start to compare. You're like, well, I got close. I got close to that target. And that person, they were a mile off with their sin. And so we start to, we start to make these deals in our head. And we start to say, well, that was really bad, but mine was just a, a little white lie. Lies are lies, people. You can call them white, black, pink, or blue. Whatever. You're still missing the mark. So often, we try to make these comparisons to make ourselves feel better, but Jesus isn't having it. He forgives us unconditionally, whether we miss by a millimeter or a mile, and He calls us to do the same for our brothers and sisters. And some of us are walking around with a trump card you ever played the game of spades? There's a trump card in the game of spades, and we're, waiting, we're walking around with this trump card. We're just waiting for the person to screw up. You know what I'm saying? They're just going to say something stupid, and I'm going to jump on it. I've got my trump card. And some of you, like I said, have kept copious lists, and you're walking around with the trump card and just waiting to use it. And I just want to say to you, if that's you, you've got to put that card away. Because the very thing that you want, maybe there's a friendship you want to see restored. Maybe you want your marriage restored. I don't know what it is. But if you ever use that card, you are going to destroy the progress you've made. Because it's not about more lists, is it? It's not about keeping lists. It's about keeping no record of wrong. Because that's what perfect love does. That's what Jesus has done for me. And that's what he wants to do for you. And so what's going to happen is that God will begin to free us. And I heard this phrase the other day, and I really liked it. It was that what happens is I uh, I'll, I'll, will no longer have the emotion, but I'll be dealing with the fact. 
So what happens is when I begin to forgive and when I begin to move in that direction, the emotion of that pain will start to subside. Because that's the thing that gets you. It's, I mean, you feel the emotion of it and you're like, ha! Ah! Right? It's the emotion. What happens is the emotion goes down as you allow God to heal you and the fact of the matter is still there. In other words, that happened, that hurt. I did not like that. It's factual, it's real. But I'm no longer guided by my emotions. I'm no longer manipulated by the devil. I am responding the way that God would want me to respond even though the fact of the matter is still real. And that's what God wants. He wants to free us And so you've heard this before is that forgiveness, when we offer forgiveness, is that it sets a prisoner free and we realize the prisoner was me. That I was the one actually in prison as I was holding on to these things. And so Romans 12, 18 says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, if if the other person says stick it, there's nothing you can do with that. But you can get free because forgiveness is about you letting it go, not what the other person is doing. And so you can still get free. And then finally, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. If you want to set a scripture to memory, do that. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, the, for this reality that while I was yet a sinner, you were kind and compassionate to me. You loved me just where I was. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. Lord, would you help me and anyone else in this room? Would you help us, Lord? to be that kind of person, that we are throwing away the bitter roots, that we're throwing away anger and malice. We're throwing away those things that are stealing. We're letting go of bitterness. We're letting go of the pain. We're letting go of the offense. We're just pleading the blood of Jesus. We're, We're asking for you to help us be kind and compassionate and forgiving just as you forgave us. That's what we need, Lord. We need your help. And so would you help us today? Father, I want to pray for this group of people. Some of us may not know about the forgiveness of Jesus. You may have come here today, and that is not your story. And as I talked, it was a foreign concept to you. And I just want to say this to you. The Bible says that at Christmas time, one of the things that we do is we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And it's wrapped up in that little baby is the potential to forgive all of humanity. And so when Christ Jesus grew into a man, he went to a cross and he died there on that cross for your sins and mine, whether they were millimeters or miles. They took him off that cross. He was dead. They put him in a tomb and three days later he was resurrected from the dead which allows for your redemption. And that's the good news. And so if you're here today and that's not your story, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to, 
I just want to give you an opportunity to, to respond, to enter into a relationship with Jesus because he loves you so much. So right now on the count of three, if that's you, if you're like, I want to take that step, I want to move in that direction, I want to be in relationship with Jesus, I need him. If that's you, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he'll come in. So what I'd like you to do on the count of three as a way of confessing is just to simply raise your hand so that I might be able to pray for you. And so right now on the count of three, go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just raise it up. God bless you. Good job. Good job. Proud of you. All right. Put your hands down. Anybody else? Just want to make sure. Okay. Church, we're all going to pray together. There are people raising their hands in the room, and some of you may want to do it, but you haven't done it yet. You haven't raised your hand, and that's okay. We're all going to pray together. So let's pray this prayer together as we enter into this relationship with Jesus. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you wash me clean? Pull out all bitterness, anger, malice, everything that keeps me from you. I surrender my life. Will you be my Lord? Change me from the inside out. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?